Thank you, Brother Ron. <clears throat> I thank the Lord <clears throat> for the fellowship that we've had with all of you. Uh, get started here. More, you had more to sing. So <laughs> get emotional and listen to it. But uh, the love of God is measureless. Can't measure. And we're going to talk about, Lord willing, some of the glad tidings that the love of God has bestowed upon us. So if you would, turn with me to Acts, the 13th chapter, and I'll begin reading with the 32nd verse, read down through the 39th. It says, And we declare unto you glad tidings, how the promise was made unto our, the fathers. God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And of course, he's talking about the beginning of the Messiah, Jesus. Because God the Son is forever and beginning to forever. But he says, and as concerning that he raised up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said, in this way, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he saith also in another psalm, thou shalt not allow thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his generation, own generation, by the will of God, fell asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. Might mention uh, before we go on, he says, it's by the will of God. That David did what he did. He performed what he performed all by God's will and through his power. But he said, but he, Jesus, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. That's because he didn't have man's blood. Blood he was given through the work of the Holy Spirit. So he saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. So, that love that God bestowed upon us in that love, he causes our understanding, our faith to work. He causes us to understand the substance that he has given us and causes us to have evidence from that substance. And he has justified us from all things. I come before God the Father freely, totally forgiven. I owe nothing. My Lord has justified me from all things. That you could not be justified that way through the law of Moses or the first law. 
And so I want to say to teach the old law, we learn from the old law. Everything in it points to the Messiah who we know as Jesus. And Jesus lives. So we learn from it, but we are not to teach it as if we are to follow it for worship. To do that or the Ten Commandments added later for worship is to deny the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord came and He didn't destroy it, He fulfilled it. He fulfilled all of it. And He set us in a new covenant, covenant of His grace. There is not one thing we could do, create, or produce that will bring us to the throne of God. Only Christ Jesus sets us before that throne. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and verse 19. In Hebrews 10, verse 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's the only way you can enter into the holiest. The only way you can come before God, our Heavenly Father, through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His work. It's the only way one could be in the presence of God Almighty. The only way the sheep are made able to trust in the blood of Jesus is to be set in the wisdom of God by the Holy Spirit. God will not have His sheep he has given to Christ, seek to come into the presence in the so-called wisdom of man. He will cause them to come into his presence in the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, in verses 4 through 5, he says, and my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and of power, that your faith, that is the substance and your evidence of how you worship God, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so everything in our faith should uplift that power. And he said in verses 12 through 14, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's how we learn the truth. He causes us to go through a process of comparing spiritual things with spiritual and applying them to our spiritual way and walk of worship in Christ before him. It goes on to say in verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man receiveth not the things of God. These things written here are for our spiritual way and walk of worship before God in Christ. 
not for our fleshly walk. A fleshly walk, as you've heard Ronnie say many times, is filthy rag. You can't lift up any part of that fleshly walk. It may be acceptable to you, it's none of it's acceptable to God. And as we look at this, we realize, you know, the Lord brings to our heart and mind, a natural man receiveth not the things of God. You can't discern them in fleshly wisdom. They are discerned in spiritual wisdom. The Spirit causes us to apply them to our spiritual way of praise, walk of praise before God in Christ. So the Holy Spirit enables our new spiritual hearts and minds to know, <clears throat> to know the things that are freely given to us in Jesus Christ. In Galatians, the fourth chapter. Galatians, the fourth chapter, and verses six through seven. Galatians 4 and 6 says, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. What that means is that He sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts and He gives us confidence in what we have in Christ. He gives us the ability to trust in the promises of Christ. He gives us love to make our faith work. He effectually works in us those things. All for Christ's sake, for His truth. So that's what that means when He said He sent His Son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, if a son than an heir of God through Christ. And so He teaches to us these things that He's done is to bring about us being an heir of God through Jesus Christ. To the natural man, the truth is foolishness. That's why the world outside the sheepfold of Jesus Christ cannot understand God's sovereignty or God's free will or the completeness of Christ for his sheep. The natural man does not understand those things. Only the sheep are given the ability to understand those things. In Job, in talking about those things, in Job, the twelfth uh, chapter, in Job, the twelfth chapter, and verse ten, and I want to read verse sixteen. <clears throat> Familiar verses, I think, to you, but in Job twelve. And verse 10 says, In whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? That's in God's hand. In God's hand is the soul of every living thing. And we'll talk about the soul in a little bit. But he says in verse 16, With him is strength and wisdom. Even the deceived and the deceiver are his. And it doesn't mean that he delivered them. Because we know when he says the deceiver, he's talking about Satan. He's the great deceiver. 
He was given great power to deceive. And we know from uh, Revelation 20 and verse 10 that at that point in time, he's going to be cast in a lake of fire. And he says, be there tormented forever and ever. That's what that verse says in Revelation 20 and 10. So we know he wasn't saying that they were his to be delivered. They're simply his that they're doing exactly what he's determined. Exactly for his purposes. And you say, well, why did God create a great deceiver? That's to show us and make us appreciate how we're not deceived by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. It's to show us what that mercy means to us, what that love means to us that He bestowed upon us. It's to cause us to appreciate that. This is the process of God. And so He made a negative, this whole Satan. And He also give us, gave us the positive, the Holy Spirit, in order to show us how blessed we are to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by Satan. Because everyone in darkness led by Satan. And then also in Psalms 103, in speaking of God's power, in Psalms 103 and verse 19, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Nothing is outside of his rule, nothing is going awry, nothing is. Not the way it's supposed to be. A lot of times we look at it and we think, oh my gosh. <laughs> but God has a purpose in it. And He's bringing it all to pass. And the only one in, in true control is God. <laughs> He's the one in control, not man. You know, I, I didn't have this down, but I want to read verse 4 in 103. Psalm 103 says, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's what God does for us in His love. He, really, he redeemed our life from destruction. He delivered us. Causes us to have a live walk before Him, an acceptable live walk, acceptable praise. That's what He's done for us in His tender mercy. Let me read also one other uh, in Romans, the fifth, uh, fifth chapter in verse... 17. Romans, the fifth chapter, and verse 17. Speaking of the, as I mentioned, the world doesn't see the completeness of Christ. Only the sheep see that completeness. It says, For, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. We, as sheep, have received abundance of grace. More grace than we could ever use. <laughs> it's my cup runneth over, as you say. Walt said. We've received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. I believe that gift is the completeness of Christ. I believe that gift is the work of the Holy Spirit in causing us to know 
all that completeness that we have in Christ. That, that we can never fail in the sense of failure as, as not becoming not a child or something. He has brought us out of darkness and he, and he will never fail to keep us on that path of light. And we will always be there. And we'll even enjoy thinking, well, yeah, he corrected me there good because that, that means I'm a winner of his. <laughs> that means I'm a sheep because he corrected me. There is a scripture in Proverbs that tells us how God makes us recognize the truth as he causes us to compare spiritual things with spiritual. In Proverbs, the 12th chapter, and uh, verse 19. <clears throat> Proverbs, the 12th chapter, and verse 19. I think Brother Chuck brought this to my attention in one of his messages. The lip of truth shall be established forever. That means truth really... What truth is, is that it's consistent in the Scripture. You're not going to find and say, well, this is truth. Oh, it's not over here. It's different over here. No, it's the same everywhere. We're complete over here in Galatians, and we're complete in Ephesians, and we're complete in every word of the Bible in Christ. That completeness is there in all of it. And so... The lip of truth, it'll be established, and it's forever. But a lying tongue is but for a moment. You, if it's not consistent, you'll see. It has no value to you. When I read about the power of God in Psalms, read about the power of God in Galatians, or Ephesians, Matthew, it's all the same. He is all power. And nothing is out of His control. The truth will be the same in every single Scripture. As I said, it will be consistent. It will lift up the sovereign power of God over all things. It will never make or even seem to make God less than He is. He is all power. In Romans, the 13th chapter, in verse 1, In Romans 13 and verse 1, he says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Well, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There's only three of them, Ronnie. There's only three higher powers. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's only higher powers there are. Satan isn't part of that. Nobody else part of that. There's only three. And he is one. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The souls that are referred to here are the sheep of Jesus Christ, I believe. Because only they can know the truth and walk in the truth. In John, the 10th chapter... And in John, the 10th chapter, in verse 26, and he said, 
Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. Well, every soul of the sheep. He's talking about the sheep. Because those who aren't sheep, are, they're in darkness. But the sheep are going to be subject unto these higher powers. And he tells us here in John 10 and 26, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. So a person believes not, because they're not of his sheep. You know that a sheep, that to believe, he says in John 6.29, that it's the work of God. But he says here, and I give unto them eternal life. Well, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. We are, that's, this love that's bestowed upon us gives us assurance, a surety of these things. You're going to hear his voice. He knows you, and you're going to follow him. You're not going to follow that which is a stranger. You're going to follow Jesus. He's already determined it. He's already given us this promise here in, this, in these words. I give unto them eternal life. In other words, in John 17, 3, he tells us what it is. It's to know the only true God in Jesus Christ. I give unto them the ability to know me and to know God, the Father. That's what he's telling us. And they shall never perish. Never. You can't be a sheep today and a goat tomorrow. You're not going to be in the light today and darkness tomorrow. You're in the light forever. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This soul in each sheep, I believe, is the spiritual walk, the spiritual walk we have in Christ. And I'll tell you why. I, I only, Lord, uh, about a year ago, he caused me to see this scripture. Probably read through it 50, for 50 years. I didn't see it. <laughs> but Hebrews, the 13th chapter. This is why I say I believe the soul that he's talking about in each sheep. It's our spiritual walk before him. He says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Now, who would you obey in your spiritual walk? Well, he's talking about listening to the ones you put before you, the talk to speak to you, to feed you. The elders and so on, to, to, to feed you. And so that's what he's talking about. Of course, we obey them in the truth. We expect if we're being fed to compare spiritual things with spiritual and prove it out. And he says... And submit yourselves to it, to the truth. And he says, For they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. 
They watch for your souls. Well, if I've got to watch for your soul, I've got to be able to see it. You see, that's why I say it's the spiritual walk of the sheep before God in Christ. Because what we see, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's substance and evidence. So my soul has substance. My spiritual life, my spiritual nature has substance. It, it, God has caused me to believe in His truth. Not only that, it has evidence. He caused me to walk in that truth. The first thing He causes us to do, what? Become a part of a true body of Christ. What do we look for when we, become, when we want to join that body? What, do we, what, what does God cause us to look for? Is it teaching the power of God? Is it teaching the free will of God? Not the free will of man. Is it teaching the uh, sovereignty of God? That He is all power, has all control. Is it teaching uh, the completeness of Christ? That's our evidence. We look at, He causes us to have evidence. And if I'm to look for something, <laughs> I have to see it. I can't see within inside you. I've got to see the outward evidence. And so those that are placed over you to feed you are watching out for your souls or your walk in your spiritual life. So to watch for one soul, I believe one must see, see it physically. It has to be our way and walk of our worship of praise unto God and Christ in our spiritual way of Walk of praise. Now, the one set in a true spiritual body of Christ by the power of God through the work of the Holy Spirit are the powers ordained by God to do this watching. You know, he said to obey the powers. <laughs> he put the powers there. And so if you have the power to feed the body, he's put you there and given you that power to do that. You don't, it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. In Ephesians 4, it says, Ephesians 4, chapter 11 through 15. It says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we, to spiritual improvement, in other words. Till we all come in the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness of which they wait, lie in wait to deceive. And so this is what he causes us to do. This is why he, he causes us to compare spiritual things with spiritual and cause us to apply them to our spiritual walk in Christ. Because we will find consistency there. You apply them to the flesh, you're going to be all over the place. Totally inconsistent. And then I want to read this last verse. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ. And verse 16. From who the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, 
according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. So the, what we do and how you receive it and how you walk in it is according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. And that effectual working is God's work. It's His effectual working. It's not up to you. It's up to Him. And even what we do says, but speaking the truth in love in verse 15. That love causes us, those that He set before you to feed you in the truth, we speak the truth only by His power, that love that's been bestowed upon our hearts to make us walk in the truth. Only through His power we are able to do it. So the powers that are ordained in the body of Christ have no power of themselves. They are only able to do this watching according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. By our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is how it is done. And then also then in verse uh, Ephesians 4 and 7, he says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We only do as he measures it out to us. And then I might read verse 7 in chapter 3 of Ephesians of which I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me, what? By the effectual working of His power. And that's how every one of us walk. It's by the effectual working of His power in us. Not by us thinking, we have to do this, we have to do that, oh my, do I have the power to do this or that? I have the power to do everything. Because... I walk according to the effectual working of His power in me. That's how you walk also. His gift is measured out to us, to the sheep by the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides us into all truth. John 14.26, I won't turn to it. I will turn to John 14, but He says there in the 26th verse, the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into all truth. He even makes us remember the things that He has brought to our spiritual minds in verse 14. Or verse 26, I'm sorry. But in John 14, I'll read this. In, in uh, verses 19 through 20, the Lord assures us we will have a live spiritual walk in one of His true spiritual bodies. And His sheep shall know that He dwells in them and through through the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 19 it says, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. We're in Him. And He lives. He was accepted of the Father. His work was accepted. And that's the way we are. We're in Him. Because He lives, we live also. Our walk before Him, our spiritual walk is a live walk, not a dead walk. At that day you shall know. I believe He was talking to them. He was talking about when He's finished His work. At that day you shall know what? I'm in the Father, and ye in me, 
and I in you, Jesus in us. And he is in us through the work of the Holy Spirit. We know from Ephesians, the third chapter, verse verse 10, I think. I got it written down there. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit causes Christ to dwell in our inner man. But you'll know, and we've known ever since then, you and me, and I in you. And that's why your walk will be a live walk. It will be effectual. It will have his, his uh, or our spiritual praise will be effectual before God because it's in Christ. And uh, let me close with this. In this pathway of spiritual life in Christ, there can be no death. I, I keep coming back to this, but Proverbs, the 12th chapter. You're going to die fleshly, physically. But there's no death in my spiritual walk. He says in Proverbs 12 and 28, In the way of righteousness is life. In the way of righteousness is life. He set me in Him. He's in me. My walk, my spiritual walk, as I lift up His power, I'm walking in the way of righteousness by His power, by His will. And in the pathway thereof, there is no death. In the pathway thereof, there is no death. You set me on this path of light. I am on this path forever. Through His grace, through His power. May God bless you in speaking of His word.